Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Merry Christmas. Hey, if you guys got your Bibles, head to two passages, please. If you could head to Isaiah chapter 9 and then put your finger in Matthew chapter 1. Isaiah 9 and Matthew 1. And um, hey, while you're turning there, uh, I had something that I think like probably 100 or 200 uh, people sent me a couple weeks ago happened that I want the other 14,800 of you to be aware of. It was pretty cool. Um, so I still feel like relatively new um, to the DFW area, so I'm learning stuff all the time. Um, so every year, apparently, they put out this uh, best of DFW deal where, you know, they vote on best restaurants and best attractions and, you know, favorite, you know, spots to go. And uh, I didn't know this, but uh, apparently um, they do a, a vote, you know, it's by vote kind of thing. They also do best church. And uh, this is really cool. Is Look down there at the bottom right, taking the gold spot, Lake Point Church. All right, man, there we go. And uh, I know, I, was, I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, so, hey, um, could you do this? Could you turn uh, to your neighbor and say, you're awesome? That'd be awesome. Now, turn to the other one you were trying to avoid and say, I was trying to avoid you, but you're awesome too. That'd be awesome. They'd do that. That's great. All right. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, hey, um, I do also just want to call our attention um, to something that is, it's like game time, y'all. It's game time here at Lake One Church. We've got, uh, I think, uh, nearly 30 um, Christmas services happening at all of our campuses. And y'all, those start in less than two weeks. It is a little hard, I know, man, a little hard for me um, to get my mind around. Now, um, if you, uh, I need, uh, this is like a moment, it's like family meeting. I need everybody to lean in, okay? Here's what we need, all right? We need, if you are, uh, you're here, you're hearing my voice right now, um, and you are going to be at one of those. First of all, that's, that's a big deal. This is a time of year where everybody starts like getting kind of grumpy, and it's like uh, people get really focused on, man, we need to keep the Christ in Christmas, and we need Starbucks to do this and not do that, and we need them not to say happy holidays when they check in, all that stuff. Honestly, here's what I think is a lot more important, keeping the Christ in Christians. I think that's a lot more important, okay? So, so that's what we want to do, and so we, what we want to do is make sure that we, we center our souls um, on the coming of Jesus. And so we want you there. Now, here's what we need, okay? We need you to register for the, uh, f- to RSVP for the service you're gonna be at. Here's why, okay? Last year, we had upwards of 32,000 people attend a, an in-person Lake Point service. Uh, some of them are very full. 
um, attendance right now at Lake Point compared to the same time last year is two to 3,000 people higher year over year. What that means, there, there's gonna be some, we've added some services, but, but they're gonna be really full. So uh, in order to make sure we can prepare, we're gonna be ready and kids, all that stuff, we need you to register for the service that you're gonna attend, okay? So if you can do this, you can text the word Christmas to 20411. We need you to do this. Text Christmas to 20411. RSVP for the service you're gonna be at. We'll have plenty of room at all of them. We'll make sure. Uh, but th- that, that would help us out a lot. Now, here's the other thing, okay? Game time. Um, this is also for the people that are close to you, but far from God. Um, studies show that people, that 80% of people, 80% of people would say yes if invited by a close friend to a Christmas service. It is literally the best chance you got all year to expose somebody to the life-giving message of Jesus. It's actually statistically better than even Easter. So, man, let, let's uh, let's be uh, let's be bold in that. Hey, come, you know, here's your. Hey, come sit with us. We'd love to hang out with your family. Uh, we're gonna make sure we're pulling out all the stops. Um, kids are gonna have a ton of fun. It's just it, all around. It's gonna be be, be awesome with those candlelight services. So, um, do that. RSVP. And then uh, we'll be in, in, inviting, it's, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna see a lot of people come to Christ. All right, well, here's who we are this week. We are in week two of a series that we are just calling All I Want for Christmas. And uh, this week, um, in prep for this message, uh, today, here's what we're doing today. We're doing All I Want for Christmas is peace. That's what we're doing, peace, all right? Now, in prep for this message, um, I came across this deal where a, uh, a kindergarten teacher had asked her students to write letters to God instead of Santa, Okay. And, uh, and here's what, here were some of them. These were awesome. Um, Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Neil, okay? I thought that was good. Uh, number two, dear God, is Reverend Co. a friend of yours or do you just know him through business? I like that. Okay, uh, number three, uh, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. I to- totally get it. Now, here's my favorite one, okay? Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it, okay? Now, now, can we be real honest? Like some of you felt that in your soul. Like you were like, it's the Christmas season. It just has this way of like all the strife, all the pain, all the wounds, all the relationships that aren't quite what you wish they were. It brings all that stuff to the service. And what we need is peace. Now you gotta know this, man. Jesus came to bring peace. The book of Isaiah, 700 years before the coming of Jesus prophesied is coming like this. He said, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Then check this out. You fast forward 700 years and the angels, they come and they announce the coming of Jesus to the shepherds in the field, keeping watch by night. And here's how they announce the coming of Jesus. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, can we be honest, man? Uh, I don't know anybody anywhere that would not, if you look out at the world, you look in at your family, you look really in at you, is anybody disagreeing that like, man, like we, we need peace. Man, we need peace. Individually right now, the number one most prescribed medication in America is anxiety medication. We are at a deep deficit of peace. Uh, Suicide rates are skyrocketing. Mental health is plummeting. Look in at families. 
man, aside from the divorce rate being the highest that it has ever been, man, Christmas, it just has this way of bringing out all this family strife. You just start to feel it, man. And and listen, you feel this at Christmas because there ain't, ain't no pain like family pain. You just start to feel it. Man, look out at our nation. And man, like, if you're not seeing this, if you can't see that we need peace, I can't really help you, man, if you can't see that. Right now, people are describing our nation as the divided states of America. I saw one uh, cultural commentator refer to what's happening right now as a cold civil war. Widespread rioting, news shooting. How many people, when you look out at the news stories every day, you're looking at news stories and you're going, we are losing our ever-loving minds. Man, if you look out at what's going on individually, family, nation, it's like we need peace. Now, let me ask this question. What in the world, you look out and you're going, we're losing our ever-loving minds. What in the world is happening? Okay, now, the Bible diagnoses this. Okay, now, admittedly, the next five to six minutes of this sermon, they're a little more theological, a a, a little more textual. uh, We're going to get a little more philosophical than usual. But, But guys, here's why we're doing that. Because theology matters. And the Bible is not an old book. The Bible is a timeless book. So it doesn't just tell us what happened. It tells us what always happens. So we got to ask the Bible like, man, why is what's going on in the world happening right now? And we need that answer because if you misdiagnose the malady, you will misprescribe the remedy. So when we come to the Bible and we go, hey, why is what, happen- why is what is happening in our world happening? Here's this answer, okay? Put on your big boy uh, thinking caps, track with me. Let's get a little theological, okay? Romans chapter one diagnoses what's wrong with the human race. It says that we have exchanged, quote, the truth about God for a lie, and we have worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. So what we did is we took, we we were supposed to, designed to worship our creator, and instead we went, hey, actually, no thanks. No room for you here. No room for you in the inn. No room for you in my heart. No room for you in this world. And we replaced creator with creation, We replaced the supernatural with the natural. Now, here's what happens if you do that. Everything that God created is good. But if you take a good thing and you make it a God thing, then a good thing starts to do bad things. Now, check this out. What the Bible's gonna show us, I'm gonna show this in four declensions. The Bible's gonna show us that alienation from God always results in conflict with man. Now, let me show you how this works. Now, check this out. Number one, declension number one, the first thing that happens is government replaces God. Now, check this out. Here's why this happens. Because when people stop believing in a higher power, the government in their hearts becomes the higher power because that's the highest power you can imagine. Now, quick caveat. I am not anti, we should not be as Christians anti-government. Okay, the Bible says that God established three institutions that were established by God to restrain evil and promote good. Those three institutions God established were the family, the church, and the government. And when they all work according to their God-given roles and, they, and, and governments govern justly and, and make laws in accordance with the laws of God, that restrains evil and it promotes good. So we're not anti-government, but check this out. Again, when you take a good thing and you make it a God thing, a good thing starts to do bad things. So here's what happens when government becomes God. Here's what happens. When government becomes God, politics becomes religion. 
And here's what happens when that happens. So government becomes God, candidates become saviors, rallies become worship services, and campaigning becomes evangelism. Now check this out. A step further, when we stop believing in demons, we take the supernatural and we overlay it on the natural. So when we stop believing in demons, what we do is we begin to demonize the opposition. So the other party, the other ideology, the other candidates, the other people, they become the functional demons of the world. Now check this out. Here's what happens is you start to look at people and you go, hey, you're not just wrong or mistaken, you're evil. And here's the problem. When you begin to demonize people in the Bible, you can't reason with demons. The only thing you can do is exercise them or cast them out. You will inevitably start to do the same thing to people that you demonize that you would do to demons. In our culture, here's what we do. Instead of exercising the demons, we shame them, cancel them, fire them, or deplatform them. We demonize people. That's declension number one. Now, once the government replaces God, watch this. Declension number two is social punishment replaces eternal punishment. So here's what happens. When you stop believing in hell, you may, you, what you do is you foster hell on earth. Now, if this doesn't make sense, just track with me and think for a second, okay? According to biblical theology, according to the Bible, our belief in the reality of hell is actually the basis of all forgiveness, and if there is no hell without hell, we stop being people who can actually practice forgiveness individually and as a society. If that doesn't make sense, here's the logic of that, okay? Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is when, is when somebody goes, hey, I don't have to take vengeance because God has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So I can forgive anybody because I know that everybody will stand before the judge of the universe and give an account for what they've done. But if I stop believing in hell, if I stop believing that everybody will stand before the judge of the universe and that he will ultimately give justice, I take justice into my own hands and I'm the one who has to take vengeance. I can no longer forgive. There's a, a, a Croatian Christian, a guy named Miroslav Volf, grew up in Croatia. He saw his country uh, war-torn uh, through a national genocide. He described seeing women uh, uh, seeing moms and sisters raped and killed. He saw the slaughtering of the innocents, the eradication of people based on an ethnicity. He grew up, became a Christian, and, and turned into a prolific Christian theologian. I'm going to summarize what Miroslav Volf says about this concept. If you don't believe God will punish people in eternity, you start believing that I have to punish you on earth. Now, once that happens, is earth, it becomes a hellscape. We bring hell to earth. Now, and here's the theological math of this. Think about this. If heaven is the place above us where everybody's forgiven, and hell is the place below us where nobody's forgiven, then every time we forgive, we pull heaven down into our lives. And every time we fail to forgive, we pull hell up into our lives. So if you start looking at you going like, hey, why is this kind of starting to feel like hell on earth? Because we stop believing in hell, and so we replace social punishment with eternal punishment. Now here, that leads to a third thing, declension number three, is riots replace revivals. Now guys, here's what you have to understand. I'm gonna summarize the, what the Bible teaches about the reality of Satan and demons and, and what they do. Watch this. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. That's what he does. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Whatever God builds, Satan breaks. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Now check this out, okay? If you are not led 
by the Holy Spirit as an individual, as a family, as a nation. You will be led by unholy spirits. Now here, the Bible calls them demons. Now check this out. Here's why that matters, okay? In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is from God and the Holy Spirit has a mascot. There's an animal, it's actually a bird that's the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You tell me, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by a dove and a dove is the symbol of peace. So here's what you got. You got Holy Spirit represented by dove which is peace, okay? Now, in the Bible, unholy spirits called demons, Jesus gives them a mascot too. He refers to them as scorpions. So Holy Spirit equals dove who brings peace. Unholy spirits are like scorpions who bring hatred and pain. Now, here's what happens, all right? So the Holy Spirit inspires revivals. But whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. So unholy spirits, they don't inspire revivals. They incite riots. The Holy Spirit builds communities. Unholy spirits build mobs. Revivals and communities, they're relationships based on shared love. But riots and mobs are relationships based on shared hate. So that's declension number three, is riots begin to replace revivals. Is any of this sounding familiar? We call this the United States of America, okay? Now, declension number four, and here's the last one. It all leads to this. What, it all leads to this last thing that results in hatred and hostility among people. What inevitably happens if you reject God in, in, your, in your spirit, or in your intellectual thinking, is let me say it and I'll explain it, is you go from we're the problem and God is the solution to you're the problem and I'm the solution, that inevitably happens. Now check this out. The Bible, let me explain it. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what the Bible does is it places, watch this, the sin righteousness dividing line is between God and man. It's a horizontal line above mankind. The sin righteousness divide is a horizontal line above all of mankind, separating mankind from people. But watch this. If you stop believing in the reality of the supernatural, you can't have a horizontal dividing line above all people separating God from man going sin righteousness. What you have to do is you have to, you still have to answer what's wrong with the world. So you turn it instead of it being a horizontal line dividing God from man. God is the solution. We are the problem. You have to have a vertical dividing line separating people from people. And it goes, oh, now the sin righteousness dividing line is between me and you. You are the problem. I am the solution. Your group is the problem. My group is the solution. Your political party is the problem. My party is the solution. It's a vertical line. And here's what you do. Now, check this out. Don't freak out on me. Let me explain it here. Let me say it and explain it. Is you move from having the categories of sin and righteousness to now the categories become victim and villain. Everybody falls into one of those two categories now when the, when the line gets vertical, victim and villain. Now, two, everybody does this. They do it in different ways. I'm going to do both groups so I offend everybody. It's going to be awesome, okay? So let me do this. The secular progressive social justice movement does this. And the religious conservative fundamentalists do this. Everybody does this. Is they go, hey, 
You're the problem, I'm the solution. Here's how the secular progressive social justice movement does it. The secular progressive social justice movement, it categorizes everybody in the world, all of society into one of two categories. Oppressed and oppressor. I'm oppressed, you're the oppressor. I'm the victim, you're the villain. You're the problem, I'm the solution. That's the entire secular progressive social justice movement. So the sin-righteousness dividing line isn't between God and man, it's between man and man. Now watch this. Religious, conservative, legalistic, fundamentalists, they do the exact same thing. They go, uh, you're the sinner, I'm the righteous one. You're the problem, I'm the solution. You're the damned, I'm the saved. You're the one that's causing all the problems, and I'm the one that's here to fix it. So watch this, guys. Both secularism and religion divide the world into good guys and bad guys, but the gospel divides the world into bad guys in Jesus. That's like our whole thing. So listen to me really close, really close, okay? There are absolutely such things as victims of human sin and abuse on earth. That is a thing. It is satanic, demonic, and evil. So do not mishear me. But here's what I am saying. I'm saying that when you stand before God, you are not the victim, you are the villain, and Jesus is the victim because your sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Here's the big idea. You gotta get this, man. Here's the big idea. Everybody is a sinner, which means that everybody needs a savior. You are not the victim, you are the villain. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Black people need Jesus, white people need Jesus, men need Jesus, women need Jesus, Democrats need Jesus, Republicans need Jesus, all the woke social justice warriors that think everybody else is the problem and we're finally here to be the solution, you need Jesus. And all the conservative religious people who walk around judging everybody, you will be judged by Jesus and you need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. It's all about Jesus, man, all about Jesus. All right, now, So it's not religion is the problem and we gotta get rid of all the religious ideas. It's not religion is the problem and we're the solution. It's not you're the problem and I'm the solution. It's we are the problem and Jesus is the solution. And our only hope is that God would send a prince of peace and he has, and he has. Now check this out, all right? Now you may never have noticed this before. I wanna show you something in the Bible. It's really interesting. Now we're gonna get a little uh, historical really quick here and you may be going like, ah, why is he doing this? There's a really good payoff. So hang with me, okay? Have you ever noticed that the Bible constantly tells us that when Jesus was born, that he was born in the time of Caesar Augustus? Okay, now there's some really interesting things about Jesus being born during Caesar Augustus. Here's what you gotta know, man, okay? Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor to ever be worshiped as a god. And here's how that happened. It was really interesting. 40 years before Jesus was born, a comet appeared in the sky. And I'm gonna show some things on the screen so that you kind of put some dots together, okay? Uh, 40 years before Jesus is born, a comet appears in the sky and all of Rome freaks out. Like, what is that? They're really scared. Now, uh, Caesar Augustus did something. It's called shock doctrine. Political leaders have been doing this for literally millennia. Here's what shock doctrine is. Whenever there's like an agenda, or a policy that a political leader wants to push through, but they know the people won't accept it. They'll wait for a moment when there's tremendous social upheaval and everybody's scared and people are willing to trade their freedoms for a feeling of safety. That's called shock doctrine, okay? That's exactly what Caesar Augustus did. So everybody in Rome sees this comet 
And they're really freaked out, like, what's this mean? And Caesar Augustus went, aha, here's my chance. And he went, that comet is my dad, Julius, who was just murdered. That's my dad, Julius. He was actually a god, and that's him ascending into the heavens, okay? Now, here, here's what that meant. So he said, his, so he went, hey, my mom, uh, Caesar Augustus was going, my mom was a human, but my dad was a God. And do you know what that makes me? It makes me a son of God. So, so Augustus went, I'm both human and divine. Now, he actually commemorated this moment. Um, he wanted to make sure it was such a big deal. He commemorated a coin and he disseminated this coin I'm about to show you throughout the entire Roman Empire. Here's that coin. And you can see the picture of the comet and the eight little streaks coming out of the comet. And at the very top, you can see just really faintly there, it's like a, a little impression of the soul of his dad, uh, Julius, ascending into the heavens. Now, very few people are going to be able to read it, but the text on that coin reads, Divine Julius. Now, br bring it back to me. Do you know what they called that coin? It was literally called the Advent coin. That's what they called it. The Advent coin. Advent means coming or arrival. Now, because he was viewed as like a son of God who was both human and divine, uh, Caesar Augustus, he ruled the entire known world. And because he ruled the entire known world, he, he ushered in this, this era of peace. You studied this in high school. It was called the Pax Romana. That means Roman peace. So he was viewed as like a king of peace that established uh, a Pax Romana, Roman peace, and because of this peace, they called him the savior of the world. They thought, and he thought, that he was leading an empire that would never end. In fact, if you travel to Rome to this day, the city of Rome is known as the eternal city. He thought it was a kingdom that would never end that he was ruling. And how he did this to conquer the entire known world is Rome did not practice annihilation. They practiced assimilation. So they would go in and they'd conquer all these people. And instead of just eradicating them, they would assimilate them into the empire. So he led this kingdom that was made up of peoples from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. Now, in order to keep like a, an empire cohesion, what he would do is he would take a ruler from among the people. Let's do the Jews. He would take a ruler from among the people appoint that person as a king of those people. So for instance, he had all these kings under him. So for instance, he appointed Herod over the Jews and Herod was given the title, the king of the Jews. Now, if Caesar Augustus was the king of all those people, he was known as the king of kings. Now, is any of this sounding a little familiar? Okay. Uh, let me just kind of say like, if you can't connect these dots, I really don't know if I can help you, okay? So let me just kind of do this. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. So when Jesus is born, check this out. Jesus is born, a star appears in the sky. A virgin gives birth. So Jesus' mom is human. Jesus' father is God. He is both fully human and fully divine. We celebrate his coming at Advent. We worship the Prince of Peace. We say of the, there was a prophecy of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. He rules an everlasting kingdom. When he was crucified, there was a sign placed over his crucified body. 
king of the Jews, and every tribe, tongue, nation, and language will gather around his throne and worship him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's Jesus Christ. Now check this out, bro. This is amazing. So you may be going like, ah, you know, so what does all that mean, Josh? Okay, here's what God was doing, all right? God was pointing at Caesar, and he was going, everything that guy claimed to be, I am. And everything that guy promised he could do and couldn't, I can. He was going, bend your knee, Caesar Augustus, because the Prince of Peace is actually here. Now, I love this so much. I just want you to know, I've traveled to Rome and I've like walked around in the Roman forum. So I want you to think about this. All these guys, Caesar Augustus, all these Roman senators, they were walking around the Roman Senate and they thought they were leading the most powerful empire that would ever exist. They thought that it was a kingdom without end, an eternal kingdom. What they didn't know was like literally right underneath their feet, about hundred feet down, there were these groups of peasants called Christians worshiping in these caves called the catacombs. And they believed that they were worshiping somebody who had been raised from the dead and they worshiped him as the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now watch this. Today, Rome is gone. The Roman Senate is in ruins. I paid $18 to walk past Caesar Augustus' grave, but Jesus Christ is alive and we are worshiping here right now in this church. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, man. That's what he does. He is, so listen, what I'm saying is peace on earth is not gonna come from any White House. It's gonna come from God's house. Now, here's what this doesn't mean. I wanna make sure you don't mishear me. What this doesn't mean is that the minute you start following Jesus, all your circumstances get peaceful. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. Check this out. This is Luke 12, uh, starting in verse 51. Do you know or do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. In other words, Jesus is going, hey, I'm coming twice. I come as I am a lion and a lamb. The first time I came as a lamb to be crucified for the sins of the world, the next time I'm coming as a king. I'm coming as a lion. I'm gonna bring peace on earth finally, but that's not coming until the second time I come. The first time I come, he's saying, I'm coming as a lamb. And between now and then, you following me actually may bring division in your relationships. Verse 52, from now on, there will be five in one family divided against uh, each other. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law divided against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I think that happens naturally, but Jesus prophesied it anyway. Okay, that's it. Now, some of you, here's why I read that, man. Because some of you are like, man, my family's coming home. And it's like, man, I'm starting to follow Jesus or I'm still following Jesus and I'm feeling this distance, this lack of peace between my family. So you're going, hey, Josh, like he said he was going to bring a prince. Of, I need some peace because like cousin Eddie is real. And he's coming to my house like in two weeks or like there's somebody coming to your house. You're like, you just literally, it's like oil and water. You cannot get along with this. your brother's coming in that he hated the state he lived in. And so he moved away to get from this state with all the terrible policy or everything. And then he moves here. And he votes for the same policies that he moved away from. And you're like, bro, you're, don't California my Texas. Like, what are you doing, man? And you're gonna have all these fights. You're like, bro, what, what's going on? Or your uncle's coming in, he's got the MAGA hat on and he's gonna talk about it the entire vacation. You got the aunt that's baptizing cats and making up pronouns. And you're like, dude, I don't, 
Well, I need, I need peace, man. Well, Jesus is, here, listen, I'm just being honest. Jesus is saying, yes, that happens to some of your relationships when you choose to follow me in faithfulness. He said, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring division among relationships. What is division? Die means two, vision is vision. Wherever there are two, two competing visions of what life should be like, you're gonna have separation. If your core beliefs and, and, the, and their core beliefs are the exact opposite, moving in opposite directions, guys, there's gonna be distance there. It's like, can, can I just like comfort you and say, man, some of you will look at the, the turmoil in some of those relationships and go, man, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe, maybe, but sometimes that's not a sign you're doing something wrong. It's a sign you're doing something right. You're following Jesus and he's going, yeah, that's gonna happen to people that follow me. Okay, now check this out. Some of you are hearing that and you're going, okay, Josh, that's great. Prince of Peace, he's bringing division. You're going, that's awesome. But I, I don't need peace someday. I need it, I need it like now. Like, what do you got for me now? Well, here's what he's got for you now. This is Matthew 1.23. This is what he said was said upon the coming of Jesus. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. I want you to say it out loud. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Which means God with us. Guys, God is with us. And if you understand that, listen, theology matters. Doctrine matters. If you understand this doctrine, it changes everything. Here's what this is. This is the doctrine that Christians have historically called the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Here's where, the word, where we get the word incarnation. It comes from the Latin word carne, which means flesh. So like when you go to a Mexican restaurant and you order chili con carne, you're like literally ordering chili with flesh. Merry Christmas. That's what you're doing, man. So here's what Jesus was. Jesus was God. This is the best I can do. Jesus was God con carne. He was like, he was simultaneously 100% God and 100% man. And listen, man, this, this stuff matters. This doctrine matters because if you believe that, then you understand that God is with us. God is with us. And if you understand that God is with you, that changes everything, man. My oldest daughter, Eliana, um, she saw this little TV show that had zombies on it. And so like every now and then uh, we'll take out the trash together. It'd be like me and Eliana, it's, the, it's like cold, dark at night. We got the two trash cans. We're rolling up to the top of the hill. And Eliana, she's she just joking, but she'll be like, dad, you think there's any zombies out here? What, what, what do we do if there's zombies? I'm like, baby, you know, two in the chest, one in the face. We know what to do if there's zombies. That's it, man. We, we know what to do. No, that's not what I say. <laughs> that's not what I say. But check this out. Here's what I don't say. What I don't say is, oh, baby, it's okay. There's nothing scary in the dark. Because how many of you guys know that we live in a dark world where there actually are scary things in this world? There actually are, man. So here, I don't say that. Here's what I do say. I say, hey, don't worry, babe, because your dad is here and I'm with you and I can take anything that's gonna come at us in the dark. And, and watch this, when we get back to the house, we're gonna turn on the lights and wherever we turn on the light, the darkness has to flee. Now, listen, if, if you're not connecting any of those dots, I don't think I can help you either. Because what we're seeing here is Jesus saying, hey, I'm Emmanuel, I'm God with us. What's happening is he's going, hey, your dad's with you now. He's with you now and he's the light of the world and wherever the light of the world comes, the darkness has to flee. He's going, man, I'm gonna be with you. And when you understand that he is with you, it changes everything. 
Guys, understand he is God with us. When you are lost, he is with you as your guide. When you are alone, he's with you as your friend. When you are hurting, he's with you as your comforter. When you are sick, he's with you as your healer. When you are weak, he's with you as your strength. And when you sin, he is with you as your savior because he is God with us. He is God with us, man. Man, I'll... Now, some of you, here's where you're at. You're like, man, Josh, that's awesome, but it's easier for you to preach than for me to feel it, that God is with me. Here's why that is, because it is so much easier to see how God was with you through the rearview mirror than it is through the windshield. It is so much easier to look back and see how God was with you than to look forward and see how he is gonna be with you in circumstances. But here's what I've noticed, man. I get very very emotional. When I look back at my life and I see all the times that God was with me. Like, man, like I, I remember being a 16-year-old, like 16-year-old. I had just become a Christian. I'm 16 years old. I'm riddled with insecurity. Like the only thing I want in the whole world is like for some girl to like me. And I'm just like getting shot down and shot down and shot down and shot down. I'm like, God, where are you? You see the same girl 20 years later on Instagram, you're like, you were with me. You know, it's like, bro, you said God was with me. It's easier to see it through the rearview mirror than it is through the windshield. Man, I look at my life and I, Jan and I just get married. And, and, and the only thing we wanted in the whole world is, is we wanted a child. And we started wrestling with infertility, five years of infertility. All this bitterness starts coming up in Jana's life. And she's going, man, God, like we would raise a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And she's looking out at like, High schoolers getting drunk and having one night stands, they get pregnant, have abortions, but she's like, you won't get it. You give me a baby. But I look back and I see how God was with us. And he was with us when he placed in our heart a desire for adoption. And we walked into that room and God placed my eldest daughter, Eliana, in my hands. You know what Eliana means? It means God has answered. He was with me. Man, he was with me. He was with me three times with Eliana, Felicity, Hudson. He was with me this year when we baptized Felicity in this church. I look back in my life how God was with us when Jan and I first got married, man. We first got married, we had a lot more love than money. It was like, we're stretching everything. We're upsizing McDonald's for date nights. We had this eight, this is a true story. We had this $800 car, old Pontiac. And we just kept waiting for that thing to go out. It was like, I prayed over that car. I anointed that car with oil. <laughs> you know, I was like about a quart a week. <laughs> you know, it was like, bro, I just needed it. And, and, but we made this decision. We were like, man, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to put you first in our finances. We're going to keep giving and tithing. And we look back and God was with us. He provided for us all along the way. Man, exactly four years ago this month, I look back how God was with me. I preached my first sermon ever at Lake Point four years ago this month. And man, I saw, and I, that's awesome, man, but that's not how I felt at the time. <laughs> I was scared to death. I like walk out here and I'm like, I just knew I was gonna be the sacrifice pastor. I, I was gonna be the guy after the guy that could never fill the shoes. Nobody liked him. Everybody fires him real fast. But I look back at the last four years and he has done immeasurably more than I could have asked or imagined. God was with me, man. He was with me. I fast forward. So that was four years ago. Fast forward one year, three years ago, I was standing on this stage preaching and I had a panic attack while I was preaching. And I had the season of like eight months of anxiety attacks before and during. I like sat on a stool right about here on the stage and all I could do is sit down, read my notes. I read 22-minute sermons. Some of you guys are like, would you please do that again? That'd be amazing, man. 
But man, I look back and like, I didn't, I thought, I didn't think I was ever gonna be able to preach again. Like I literally was going, hey, do I need to go be an executive pastor somewhere where I can lead and not preach? But God was with me. He got me through that season. I'm preaching with joy and freedom today because God was with us, man. He is with us. He was with us, man. Two years ago, it was like, I don't know if you guys put this math together. Two years ago, Pastor Steve, previous pastor, he passes the baton of leadership to me. Two weeks later, COVID shuts down everything. To this day, Steve says, timing is everything. That's what he says, man. And I was like, man, the whole thing's gonna fall apart. Everything's gonna dissipate. Everything's gonna fall apart. But guys, God was with, we grew during that season. We reached people during that season. There was an outpouring of grace on that season. God was with us, man. I look back at all these times that God was with me. And here's what I know. What I know is that someday I will be on my deathbed surrounded by people that are praying for God to heal me and he won't. And in that moment, I will die and I will go to heaven and God will be with me for eternity because he is God with us. He's God with us, man. He is with us. Now listen, here's the only question. Are you with him? God is with us. Are you with him? Man, some of you, we got so many new people right now. Man, right now I'm asking you, are you with him? Have you crossed a line of faith to give your life to him? To believe that the cross somehow in some way counted for you and to become his. And man, what I know is there's like a whole bunch of people, you've been around Lake Point four, five, six weeks or months and something's starting to stir in you and you're realizing like, Matt, it's time. I need to cross a line of faith and give my life to him. And man, if that's you, at all of our campuses, could everybody bow your heads and close your eyes right now? Bow your eyes, close your eyes. And if you're realizing that you need to cross a line of faith and give your life to Christ, maybe in a sincere way for the first time, would you just pray this prayer with me? Just pray this silently in your seat. Just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I have lived for other things besides you first. But I believe that you died for my sin. From a sincere heart, pray this. Somehow, in some way, I believe the cross counted for me. And I believe that you rose from the grave and that you live to give life to all who call on your name. From a sincere heart, man, pray this. From this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive the free gift of forgiveness apart from anything I have ever done just by grace. Thank you, God, for adopting me as a son or a daughter. Now keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you prayed that prayer and maybe gave your life to Christ in a sincere way for the first time, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Here's why I'm doing that. We wanna know who we're praying for, but also I believe something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. So on the count of three, hand in the air, boldness. Don't ever let anybody make you ashamed of what God's doing in your life. Count of three, one, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason today. 
three. Lift your hand in the air right now. Oh man, yeah, yeah, right now. All over the room, just with boldness. Yeah, God, I'm coming home. You are with me, I'm with you now. Yes, right now, keep them up. Like, be, be bold, man, lock that elbow. Man, God, I'm with you, I'm in. Man, yes, all over the room, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake